0: Hey, listeners, this is Ian Harris, the producer of Erskine Conversations. A quick editorial note before we begin. This episode was recorded before the COVID-19 crisis forced Erskine to cancel its on-site spring events. In this episode, David and his guest, alumna Elizabeth DeVault, talk about Alumni Day 2020, which was canceled as an in-person gathering and moved to an online platform. Despite these changes, we hope you will enjoy hearing from Elizabeth and learning about her continued involvement with Erskine. Thank you so much for listening to Erskine Conversations. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Erskine Conversations. We bring the Erskine College and Theological Seminary campus to you. In each episode, we will be diving into the conversations that happen every day across Erskine's campus among students, faculty, staff, and more. Today, I invite you to listen in as we talk with Elizabeth DeVault, adjunct faculty and Erskine alum. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Thank you for joining us, Elizabeth.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: <laughs> it, it is. I was, it was really cool that you were willing to jump in on this at relatively short notice. I mean, you are. We we're friends, and then mm-hmm. to know that you are back on campus doing things, and I'm back on campus doing things. It was really cool to be able to have this opportunity to talk about your story, your journey, and then what it is you're doing slash what it is you're doing with Erskine. So let's kind of jump in first with. Um, what was your experience in college after college and kind of centering around what you were here for performances, music, theater? Go
1: <laughs> okay. So, I all throughout basically my entire life, I performed all sorts of things, um, and mainly it was theater and voice. Mm-hmm. So, I did a bunch of vocal competitions and theater competitions, and really that just bled into my work at Erskine. Uh, so at Erskine, I started out as an English major, added on a music major okay. after just starting out as a minor. So essentially both of those sort <laughs> of took over my life here. Understandably. Um, of course, Coraliers was a huge part of that mm-hmm. um, and really a huge defining part of my experience at Erskine. I also did the theater stuff here, um, was in several different shows, and was involved in Alpha Psi Omega, Mm -hmm. the theater honor fraternity. We jokingly called each other brothers, which (laughs) was great. Um, (laughs) All of you. So, yeah, totally wonderful (laughs) theater nerd conglomerate that was there. But here at Erskine was really where it's not so much where I learned my passion. It just was able to grow Mm -hmm. even more. Gave you an opportunity
0: uh, to actually like dive into it. Oh yeah. Almost profe- quote unquote professionally.
1: Yeah, at a at a heightened level, mm-hmm. to be sure. Espec- yeah. especially musically. So
0: cool. So all right. You graduated with I'm assuming the ma- the English and yes. music. You did complete them. Um, <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yes, perfect. Awesome. <laughs> uh if I remember correctly, you went to USC. Mm-hmm. And you Pursued.
1: I pursued a Master of Music in Vocal Performance. Okay. Yes. So
0: you were able to kind of take the musical side, not necessarily mm-hmm. the theater side at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, complete your master's, but you've done more since then, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah. So in my master's in music, so I lived in Columbia there mm-hmm. uh, and was involved in an opera too there and other you know, musical pursuits. Things like that. And I enjoyed it a lot and it was extremely beneficial. Mm -hmm. But as I graduated, of course, I knew going into music, it's not like I'm going to have like a million bucks and that's fine. Like I'm actually really okay with that. Um, Some people aren't, but (laughs) I am. Yes. I've resigned myself to be poor but happy. Yeah. Uh, But I got a teaching job Mm -hmm. um, from a friend of mine who we actually performed together in musical theater and opera with Glow Lyric Theater in Greenville. And she taught at a local Christian school and said, hey, we really need a drama person. And I said, well, I don't have a degree in it or anything. She said, but (laughs) you have like a performance degree and I know that you actually know what you're talking about (laughs) when you do uh, perform. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, sure. And I also took on English there too. So actually both of those were able to get me a job. So. It's a myth. You what can What do you do if it be in
0: English? You get a job. You can uh, get a job. That's, you you a job. That's right. <laughs> right. You can
1: pay your bills and, <laughs> and eat sometimes. So, you, so know. you know, on occasion. Yeah. But that was really where I had never really directed a show before. I did a small senior project here yeah, at I Erskine. But, you know, it wasn't nearly the same as an entire production. So it was really there. With we, people
0: who actually knew what they were doing.
1: <laughs> well,
0: I mean, it's not all of us did. I gotta, I gotta, you gotta remember that. Like some of us in that senior project were not actors,
1: but y'all were fantastic anyway. Oh, right. You know, yeah. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, in this school, it was really like, oh, wow. Like I'm actually directing a show. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it did not have very many resources, which resources are lacking in a Generally. lot of places yep. for the arts in general. And, it was really funny because I had lighting equipment that, you know, I'm not a lighting tech person. Like, that's not my training. It's right. a totally different ballgame. But we had these tree lights that, for some reason, they wouldn't stop blinking, and I could not make them stop blinking. Like, there, it was a slow fade blink, so it was more like weird twinkly lights. Uh-huh. But so that's what we had. Um, As we did the Sherlock Holmes comedy trilogy, which is actually very entertaining. But, you know, it's lighter fare. And it was like this constant blinking light (laughs) just constantly throughout the hour and a half (laughs) long program. So, oh, my gosh, those are happy memories. But you learn. Yeah, you do. And so I did the next production there and kind of got a little bit fancier. And before you knew it, I'm at another private school. actually pursuing directing in a more intense way it had still not a big budget but a little bit more right had a little bit more of a tradition of doing the shows both Mm -hmm. not just once a year but in the fall and the spring so it was sort of stepping up and that's really where i started to hone my craft as a director Mm -hmm. and lots of Crazy challenges there, but that's that's really where it started okay. um, in terms of the theater stuff and it was while I was there that I decided, you know what I think I really want to do this so naturally being drawn to um, all the super prosperous majors, I decided to go back and get my master's of arts in theater okay from Regent University, and so that was mainly online. I had to do several um on location projects hmm. but uh so it was nice and flexible which is really good yeah. and I actually just finished that up like this past December so there you go oh.
0: double master every yeah
1: year. double master
0: <laughs> so um you have the background in performance the background in singing you know a lot about english and writing and things of such um and you've got the background in directing and and that side of things um uh, but I know you do something else too. Can you tell us a little bit more about this more well, honestly, I don't know, I don't know how you got into it, but I'm really <laughs> interested to hear hear the the background to this this other thing that I'll let you introduce.
1: Okay. So actually just recently, like less than a year ago, I got into voiceover, which is really fun. I've always thought about doing it. <laughs>
0: yeah. But
1: it's always been in the back of my head, like, oh, wouldn't that be fun? But I never thought about pursuing it really much at all, Mm -hmm. until when I was still teaching um, at a private high school that I had a local actor from Bob Jones come in. And the first class he did was just about film acting, which Mm -hmm. was really fun. But the second time he came in, he talked about voiceover. And I thought, how interesting. And he said, you know, I got into this as a side gig. And he has a really great speaking voice, Mm -hmm. but he also knew how to express. It's more than just it has to a, be. Yeah, it's more than just having a great speaking voice. You have to know how to read things and make them sound convincing. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought, you know what? I could do that. And I so can. I did my research and found the right equipment and all the stuff I need to start out with and, yeah, kind of blossom from there. It took a little while to get any um, – any um sort of job at all. Yeah,
0: I can understand. I mean yeah. I get that.
1: But you know, to me, I'm like as a performer, what else is new? Like yeah. you're just you're just you're used thing. to like, okay, so before this really takes off, it's gonna probably be, I thought about a good year. Uh-huh. But it was less than that, thank goodness. Um, so it was really in the area of audiobooks okay. that my voice seemed to fit the best. Interesting. So So yeah.
0: what what have you gonna do so far?
1: Well, I started out by doing Mainly like these very boring self-help books, Ooh. and frankly, <laughs> they were not—they weren't very well written. Oh gosh! So, <laughs> that but that's kind of—I'm like, okay,
0: that's a good test for you. Yeah, exactly. Can I make something that maybe isn't, especially the English major? And you're like, oh, right, come on, yeah. There
1: was a lot of
0: who's your editor?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there, there was a lot of. Uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth kind of <laughs> reading some of it it's mainly you know there are a lot of books out there that like um pop-up publishers sort of thing huh. where they're just trying it mainly from like europe and places like okay. that and they're just like hey i want to sell this book in english so it will get more money but they're not they're oh. very turned out very quickly that type gotcha. of thing. so you you know what you're getting into but hey they pay you and they're not like selling anything fraudulent. It's just like right. really bad. So it's really I was like, bad. <laughs> Why not? So yeah. And there were a few times I can help myself. I like edited, but other times I'm like, you know, They'll I'm not being paid know. to edit, so I would They'll just never read listen the most. to their own book. They, they won't. They won't. <laughs> they won't.
0: They're just happy to have it.
1: Um. There was one time where I read a sentence, uh, akin to, in your life. You're going to experience emotions, and in parentheses it said, "i.e. emotions."
0: Oh, oh yes.
1: And I so I was like, okay. <laughs> so I thought, okay.
0: And you changed how the do E-T I change emotions. this?
1: And I don't think I ended up changing it. I think I was just like, you know what, I'm you know just going to keep it because
0: obviously they, they made, asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, they they typed it. It's and someone it. And yeah. so here it is.
1: So plus I thought it was really funny, so I just kept it. So
0: it's not there your did. name on the book.
1: It's not. It's I mean it might be your so. name
0: on the little graphic that says voiceover by, but
1: But no, I didn't I didn't write that. <laughs> so there you go. But I started out doing that, but then finally I started getting more fiction okay. and more high-quality books. So that was really nice. Mainly I've been reached out to by um sci-fi and horror <laughs> and All right. fantasy, which I find to be very interesting, but that's what I do a lot of right now. So I have a few sort of like thriller, horror things. You know, vampires, ghosts, course, murderers, yes. and the like. Um, <laughs> and one the like, a, yes. yeah. One about a mermaid. Just a kind ghost who like murders people. Um, yes. You know, <laughs> the mermaid murders people. That's a ghost. Um, actually, she does, but it's oh all gosh. like in defense of her. Mermaid. Well, don't give me
0: tumor. too much. You know, I want. I want to hear it. Right. Oh,
1: excuse me. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. But yeah. So. Lots of fun things right now. I'm working on a sci-fi war book. I'm okay. almost finished with it. It's due this Friday. All right. So yeah, cool. It's been it's been taking off, and it's a great side gig, but it still incorporates a lot of what I'm right. doing. Right, the acting and yeah, it's, it's what you're you know that. you're good
0: at, mm-hmm. and so you might as well find a way to monetize mm-hmm. it, which is a really cool kind of like soft pitch to those who are listening. Find what you're good at Mm -hmm. and figure out a way to make money with it because the industry is probably out there uh, to find something you actually are passionate about and not just doing for the road of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Not knocking that. I've done it. You've done it. We've all done the thing that, you know what, it makes the the bills go away and I'll do it. But to be able to find something you're passionate about and find someone who will pay you for it, top notch over there.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing that, you know. We really got out of college when things were really rough, um, in terms of, you know, the Great Recession and all that. And it was so I know a lot of people actually of our generation actually just went to grad school because we're yeah. like, well, it's gonna get me a better job. And in a lot of instances it did. And in some instances that just wasn't a yeah. guarantee because no one was retiring now because they couldn't, you know, like so it's a whole backup of jobs. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, even though Sometimes I wish, man, I wish I'd gone straight into a career that would have gotten me money instantly. I also know usually that's not how it works. You know, even when things were much more stable financially, that's not always how it works. There's always something. And if you don't love what you're doing or at least can't find a good purpose in what you're doing, then that's going to make you miserable no matter how much money you're making.
0: Yep. You got to at least be able to connect in some level. Yeah. Um, I totally get that what I ended up doing out of college was not what I went to college for, mm-hmm. but being able to say, you know what? I am enjoying myself enough to get up and go and do this. And I'm going to work hard to make sure that I am doing being the best uh, employee I can be. And if this is a stepping stone, awesome. If nothing else, I'm getting experience and I can move later on. And that's been my experience looking back at the jobs I've had um, to swivel it real quick, just because mm-hmm. I know we we've uh, talked about this somewhat, but can you interact with a little bit where you see the intersection between arts and faith?
1: Well, this is one of my favorite topics. Oh, perfect. So thank you for bringing it up, David. Yeah, yes, yes, um, yes, So historically, as in many centuries, <laughs> the church and theater has not had a good relationship. Right. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, especially in ancient rome not so much in ancient Hmm. greece but ancient rome where things started to get really crass really lewd and also um involving some torture of the early church it wasn't always as sometimes for example like gladiators didn't always die at the end of each thing a lot of them had long careers it just really depended on the emperor frankly Mm -hmm. how brutal they were yeah but even at the very least, Christians were made fun of in very horrible ways, even mm. in just casual plays that they would put up in the Roman Empire. Interesting, Which is interesting. Yeah, there is. And you, sometimes you can see some parallels um, in current climate. Mm-hmm. But that's really where we started to get the church not liking the idea of theatrical performance. Um, a lot of it had to do with um, they were obsessed with Plato. You know, yeah. Um, as in Plato, not Plato. Right, right, F-I. right. Um, for those who are listening, yeah. Um, not, not although the stuff that you ate as child. who isn't obsessed with Plato? Um, <laughs> you know, but
0: apparently early Christians. But.
1: <laughs> apparently not the early Christians, <laughs> but um, and he, you know, was a big like not connected to the earth type of guy, oh, yeah. right? So he Forms they just loved him because he focused on the spiritual, and he didn't like the theater, so they kind of huh went off of him as well as some other concerns culturally about, hey, you know, they're persecuting us and making fun of us and, you know, (laughs) why would we want to be around those people? Right. That makes It makes sense. Yeah, just so silently. And so um, a lot of the concerns, even some concerns about is acting lying. You know, are you deceiving someone by pretending to be someone else? And so (laughs) a lot of very interesting questions. Right. But ultimately questions that, proved to have answers that didn't necessarily mean, hey, the theater should be off limits to Christians. Right. But that same climate has kind of popped up every now and then between theater and the church, you know, with the Puritans. It was kind of like mm-hmm. a whole different reason with the Puritans, but they're like, no, we don't like theater. Um, we, start, we start to have that, you know, in a little bit of the 20th century. So, I mean, it just keeps popping up. Mm-hmm. And so there's this very strained relationship and I find that so unfortunate because mm-hmm. really theater is such a great communal activity. Mm-hmm. And in a great, great book called Performing the Sacred by Dale Savage and Todd E. Johnson. And Dale Savage, I believe, still teaches at North Greenville in theater huh. or maybe he just recently retired, but that's he built up that program. And they talk about really the incredible power that theater has because it's a very intimate act and there's a little bit of a sort of like it's mimicking, um, I want to say this carefully, it's mimicking, it's not actually happening, like some sort of like transfigurative type of thing where Mm. you invite um, a character to necessarily embody you like that sounds way too spiritual (laughs) in the sense of that you're like okay so i'm going to portray this person i'm going to embody
0: you're gonna try to do it their story exactly yeah
1: and so in that the story that i'm telling no matter if i'm a good guy or a bad guy or somewhere in between i'm going to be pointing towards some sort of truth Mm -hmm. that you need to learn from and that really reflects a lot of what Christ did in terms of um, his parables mm. and various other activities, even some comparisons to the nature of the Trinity. It's a very fascinating read. Huh. I would recommend it to be sure. And it's a very easy read too. And from two very reputable, mm. um, upstanding mm. Christian theater artists. Can but you mention yeah. it again? Um, performing the Sacred. Okay. And yeah, it's almost... Actually, might be more than a decade old now, which hmm. is kind of crazy. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's a great, great book amongst others. But it's really, I feel like the church is missing out on a great opportunity to reach out to people through the theater. Hmm. And not just with family-friendly, fun, squeaky clean stuff, right? Although that can be great too, hmm. Right really taking classics or newer stuff that address real struggles of the human spirit Mm -hmm. and saying, what can we learn from this?
0: Yeah. I mean, I know we came and saw you, my wife and I came and saw you at one of your schools Mm -hmm. and you did a number of, of older, well, older in the sense of Mm -hmm. classical plays. Like I think we came and saw Pride and Prejudice. I can't remember what we saw before that, but yeah, I mean, in the sense of you, When you look at it from the lens of scripture, from the lens of of faith in Christ, faith in God, looking at it in a biblical lens, you see stuff that you may not see when you look at it from a secular lens. When from a secular lens, it's just a Mm rom-com or something along those lines. When you look at it from a spiritual lens, which arguably a lot of those writers were, um, you you see more out of it. Uh, So I, I get what you're saying
1: yeah no for sure and in fact with pride and prejudice a lot of people know that story and it's wonderfully romantic and very fun and Mm -hmm. the costuming alone was it was actually terrifying but it was great it looked great Uh um but man i lost like a lot of hair and (laughs) you know would throw things because i was just like i'm so frustrated because at a school program you're basically doing it all on your own which is Very stressful. Yeah. Anyway, I digress, yes, but yes, yes. what was what is great about the story is that you have these two people that struggle with these um, fatal flaws, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of go back to the whole Greek thing. And instead of it condemning them, mm-hmm. they actually, we see how they learn from it mm-hmm. and they learn to be united. And I actually, I'm terrible with references, but I think of um, mercy and truth have met together. And that was sort of the scripture that I thought of, that these things that otherwise you would not put together, like mercy and truth. Truth tends to be um, scary and and intimidating. Exactly, Mercy, you think, compassionate. Mm -hmm. And yet they have met together. And it made me think, what a wonderful way to sort of think of um, Darcy and Elizabeth Bennet. You know, hmm. it's it's really that same thing and how people can do that. They can meet together and bring out the best in each other by hmm. acknowledging their faults and growing from it. And, you know, that's something that all sorts of people can identify with. Yeah. But especially um, in the church, sometimes we forget that. Oh, yeah. You know, and you don't have to take an overtly Christian story and those are the only sorts of things that you can perform as a christian right. there are all sorts of stories that show you know human life and what humans go through and some of it can sometimes be very uncomfortable mm-hmm. but these are things we all go through temptations and struggles and trials mm-hmm. and we need to see the church approach it with compassion mm-hmm. and truth mercy and truth yep and the theater's a great way to do that
0: yeah i, mean, I, I think back to your your senior project you chose non Traditional songs mm-hmm. to bring to a Christian stage to get the audience and us performing to wrestle with where how can you not necessarily interpret Christ in culture but where can you look at culture and see where they're grasping in the darkness at something and you see that thing they're trying to get a hold of they don't mm-hmm. um when you look at some of those songs that believe they're all eighty songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, And as a Christian, you listen to them and you go, man, it's like they're just almost there. It's like they've almost found Christ, but not quite. But we can look at it, and I don't want to use the term like we can redeem it or something cheesy like that, but we can see through the lens of Scripture and go, man, how much of a blessing is it that when you look at, um, I'm trying to think of which song it was that... Allison did, Uh, but I I just remember talking with her about her song. Is we can see the the truth in it, we can see where it was pointing to, um, and be encouraged in Christ in that. Uh, That we can, as Christians, yeah, we may not have to, you know, just only do passion plays all the time.
1: Yeah, Um, no. Although those are great too, you know. But sometimes in a current culture, a lot of us have seen passion plays around Easter played the exact same way Mm -hmm. and frankly only to christian audiences and right because the story is totally
0: unfamiliar if you're not a christian
1: right and so it almost seems like instead of creating a ministry that we reach out and both christians and non-christians work together to create a story a lot of christian institutions that you know are theatrical in nature or churches in general that put on shows they tend to just cater to their own people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what in the world is the point of that? I mean, it, but that doesn't yeah, I make mean, any I'll, sense. Yeah, I yeah. get you, I get mm-hmm. you that.
0: Um, sorry. so a little self-promotion. What brought <laughs> you back to Erskine?
1: So I am directing the spring show called Atma, and I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. We're still up in the air about it. Um, <laughs> hey, it's Atma, as of right now. Um, but that stands for the Names of the Romanov princesses, the famous Romanov family, who was assassinated um, by the Bolsheviks during the Bolshevik Revolution. So, it what happened is that uh, initially we had a different show, Mm -hmm. um, and it turned out that some people were not able to do the show. Oh man! And so that was a big struggle, (laughs) certainly a big shock. And I was like, oh my word! You know what do I do? I've never had to replace a show before. Right. But You know, God really worked that out. I know that sounds cliche, but he did. He intended like, hey, this is a show you're supposed to do and you really want to do this one show. So I'm just going to let you see how it's going to fail. And (laughs) then I'm going to let you do the show that I want you to do. Right. And so it's perfect because I have a small group of young women. And so Atma is perfect for that. And so each of them shows the different personalities of each of the princesses. Of Hmm. course, you have the very famous Anastasia or Anastasia oh, yes, as yes. we pronounce it in the show. <laughs> um, but you also have Olga and you have Tatiana and you oh, have Marie. Name. yes, I know. Very, very Russian. <laughs> but uh, these young women are great. They're so dedicated and very passionate about the story. And the thing is the story, again, is not overtly Christian. Um it involves very imperfect people, even mm-hmm. one that is very religious. I'm not sure if she actually is a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, it may just be something that she is traditionally clinging to. Mm-hmm. So we have to look at that and say, okay, first of all, how do I know she's probably not a Christian? Some of her behavior, yeah. you know, right? No, 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 no. And sometimes we totally mess up, but yep. there's a general attitude of hers of fearfulness and non-ministry. Mm. That makes me think, mm, probably not. Right. Others are very cynical about God in general. And you do see that.
0: Also very Russian.
1: Yep, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, And others still are very naive and don't realize mm-hmm. they're not going to get out of this. So yeah. what are you going to do with the little time you have left? Right. So it's a very interesting show and cool. relatively new. Um, so I'm excited about doing it. Not a lot of people have done it. Mm-hmm. So it was kind cool. of out of luck. I was able to find it. And yeah
0: so when are you performing that or not you when are you directing it it (laughs) being performed
1: (laughs) um it is march 28th and 29th so over alumni weekend which is awesome um on the 28th it's at 3 p.m and 8 p.m okay and then on the 29th it's at 3 p.m and that's our closing show all
0: right so you got just a little under a month
1: yeah so very cool um lots of preparation i have rehearsal later this evening mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's gonna be really good i was up here all during erskine spring break uh-huh. building the set oh my goodness so yay that <laughs> was fun um
0: you kind of feel you're getting back to when you were here
1: yeah yeah a little <laughs> bit um being in the space and sort of getting used to it again it's been there's very just something yeah. about
0: coming back on campus as an alumnus you're like oh man like you breathe in you just like smell the erskine air and yeah, it's it's cool to be back. Yeah. Um, it's it's cathartic and nostalgic and all those cliche words. Um, <laughs> of course, of course. But, uh, well, I really appreciate you taking the time because I know you're about to go out and do more for this. Uh, we're excited that you're here and you're an alumnus and you're directing, and that's just really cool. So we're glad to have you uh, come and talk with us, and uh, good luck as you finish up this, this performance prep.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, David. Thank you for having me. It's been lots of fun.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Erskine Conversations. If you enjoyed today's chat, please be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Tune in each week to hear more from the Erskine campus. Erskine is the higher education institution of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. To learn more about Erskine, please check us out at Erskine.edu. We would love to hear from you. Find us on social media by searching Erskine College or emailing us at conversations at erskine.edu. Thanks again and have a blessed day.